this is the Corner to Calm podcast. In 2017, I realized my personal life was completely at odds with my professional life. I am now on a journey to speak with entrepreneurs, community leaders, and beyond to discover what motivated them to make the change, what motivated them to move from corporate to calm. Hey there, you are very welcome to the latest episode of Corporate to Calm, the first for 2022. And I am so excited to have spoken with Amber Moore from Coached by Amber. Amber is an athlete, a mom, a coach. She is the goddess of pre and postnatal fitness. She is an absolute legend as far as health and well-being is concerned and I can't wait for you to hear her journey from corporate to cam. Hi Amber, how are you? Hi Linda, okay thanks, how are you? Oh thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, I really appreciate it. So listen, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Well first of all, uh, I am your coach, so I already we're already familiar with each other, aren't we? Very familiar, yes. That's a lovely client. Um, I'm 37. I'm a coach, like I said, and I have five children. My background hasn't always been in coaching, actually. Um, it was in sales. I went into sales straight from school. Really? When well, I dropped out of college after the first term because I did initially go to do performing arts, but with my lack of attention skills we were doing a lot of sitting down and writing rather than actual performing and that was enough for me my attention had expired so I went I went home one day and my mom said well if you're not continuing with your education you better get it up so the first job I found was doing telesales in Manchester and that's what I did for the next few years after that um I did always want a vocation though hence why I went into the performing arts in the first place so I think when I went from sales, I went to work in a travel agent, which was awesome. This was back yeah. before the internet took over travel. So yeah. we still had a little independent travel agent and I was able to work in person, which I really enjoyed that interaction with people. And while I was there, I did actually go for my first qualification to teach exercise to music, like the oh. old fashioned aerobics, there, yeah. all that kind of thing. Because I love that. But as I was doing that, I fell pregnant with my eldest. So I was probably 21 at this time, 2021. Um, but I did qualify as a group X instructor whilst I was pregnant. And then I took my first class. I remember being super nervous. I took my first class when I was about 12 weeks pregnant. Super nauseous. But I was yeah. like, I'm just going to have to do it and get on with it and just get it out of the way. So I did. That's mad. And were you were you still working in the travel agents while you were qualifying? Yeah, so I went on maternity leave. Um, and unfortunately, this travel agent, so I was at a little independent and it had been there for years and years, it closed down whilst I was on mat leave. Right. So, I mean, that was sad for them, but obviously with the internet taking over, all the bookings and, you know, we had all these companies started out online where people were just finding the holidays cheaper, basically. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the independent travel agents shut down. But, like I said, I was on maternity leave then anyway. And then not long after that, I did move away. And just became, I say just, but I just became a full-time mum. 
I know. Isn't it isn't it so funny just we all we all do that, don't we? Like yeah, we're don't we? and it's the hardest job in the world. And people will say, Well, what do you do? And I always used to find it really difficult because at the time I was an army wife by then. So all you'd go to these functions and the, you know, you'd mingle with the other wives and they'd say, Oh, what do you do? And they all had careers, either their kids were older or they didn't, didn't have any yet. Um so I did used to find myself saying, Oh, I'm just a mum. No. There's no just about being a mum. I know, and isn't that a word that we use a lot? Just like I find I have to take that out of emails and text messages. The word just it's nearly an apology. Yeah. In yeah. an apologetic way. And it, we yeah. don't need to, but I don't know why we feel we need to justify that. Yeah. And from then, like from the group exercise, what, where did you go to from then? Like, what was what was your? I mean, obviously, you had your first child. Did you get any more qualifications after that? Because when I did my um, exercise to music, I was qualifying as a PT at the same time. Had you hadn't qualified as a PT at that stage? No. So that was just my basic level two. Yeah. Um qualification what I did do because then I fell pregnant with the twins quite soon after my eldest so I was out of work probably two or three years because my husband at the time did work away so I couldn't back then online working online wasn't really a thing as well I'm going back 15 years yeah so it wasn't like it is now but what I did do was um an open university course in human nutrition which I used The way I used to do that was park the kids in front of the TV for half an hour and go and sit. I had my little setup with my beanbags under the stairs and I just used to do half an hour at a time on that when they were little. Just to keep my mind busy because I found that that was challenging, that I wasn't mentally stimulated being at home, especially with being on my own. There was no other adult conversation aside of going to see my friends. Um, But on an army camp, you're limited to how far you can go because I didn't drive there either. So it was right. quite, it was quite isolated, really. But like I said, where, I kept my brain where busy. was that? Where where that was, was that? That was in North Yorkshire, in okay. um, Catterick. Right. So, but quite isolate. Like even if you got off the army camp, where were you going, kind of thing? Well, yeah. So it's quite remote up there. So I'm used to like obviously I'm in Manchester now. So I'm used to hustle and bustle. Yeah. So that was a bit of a change. And then when I came, I did move back home eventually with the kids and that's when I started fully teaching classes so what I do was peak time was evening as you know because other people work in the daytime so I would do freelance instructing okay so I built that up to teaching um I was doing a lot of Zumba it was when Zumba first came out yeah bin aerobics step aqua the lot so I was here there and everywhere and, but again, I was relying on mum to babysit of an evening. So she'd do her day in work and she would come around and babysit and I'd go out to go yeah. to the evening. Because, and who wants to childcare in the evening? That's the thing as well with this, this you know. Is it? Yeah. It's very difficult. So when, when the nurseries and childminders were clocking off at six, half six at the latest, yeah. I was just starting work. So it was very, very difficult to hire. I think that, when it struck me that I couldn't carry on like that much longer was I was working in pure gym right. for a period of time. And at pure gym at the time, you either put gym shift hours in in lieu of paying rent or you could pay rent. So I remember I had a baby, I had a childminder 
who was just starting out. So fortunately, she had spaces for three kids. And she opened earlier for me because I had to be in pure gym on my spin bike for 6 a.m. Wow. So what I used to do was drop the boys off at hers at half five. But I would I had this technique of getting them dressed so while well, they were still asleep. So I'd start, I'd get all the clothes, I'd pull the duvet back from the feet first, I'd start dressing them from the bottom up, leave them in bed. Because there were three of them, and they were little, I'd then leave the top one in the top bunk Still asleep with his uniform on by now, but then start on the next one. So I, I had already got myself up and ready by them. Get them all in the car. I've got pictures of them asleep on the stairs. And I used to feel absolutely awful. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of other options available. Because if you didn't do that, you had to pay the gym money. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. So while I was building up my business, so by then I'd got my PT qualification. Um, within the first year of moving back home. So once the boys had started nursery and school full-time, I cracked on with getting my PT qualification. Um, so I dropped them off at the childminder first thing, go to your gym, do my gym shift, clock off at half two, go straight to school, pick the boys up, go home, feed them dinner, and then my babysitter, so I'd then pay a babysitter to come round one evening a week just to relieve some of the pressure from mum and dad. Yeah. Um, but again, by then I paid out a childminder and a babysitter and I hadn't actually started earning any money for that day yet. So then I'd go back in the evening about six and see my evening clients. And then I'd arrive home at like half nine, ten o'clock at night. Mad. So that was tough. They got to the point where I remember ringing my gym manager, who was fortunately my friend at the time, and I, I was just crying. And I said, it's not suited to family life. You can't. It's fine if I, I would have had no kids and I could be in the gym, picking up clients anytime I wanted, do my own hours. But the fact that you have to pay out, obviously, for childcare first before you can start earning, mm-hmm. especially while you grow in a business. And like I said, back then it wasn't, online wasn't really a thing no. like it is now. Yeah. But fortunately it is now, so it's a lot easier in that sense. Yeah. Having I- said that, I wouldn't have changed the experience that I got from there Commercial gyms are a great nest environment for learning and yeah. practicing honing your skills. Yeah. And did you know, like, was it always a case of, like, what was the rationale behind becoming a PT? Was it like that it was what you wanted to do, or did you want to help others? Or, like, do you have a mission statement in your life that you transfer to kind of the, the PT world or the, the fitness world? Yeah, so what I found was I really enjoyed teaching my freelance classes and because they were freelance, I was in a variety of different gyms, leisure centres, private hire halls, so I was meeting a lot of different people. I thought the general consensus then was people would come up to me at the end of the class and be like, you know, jiggling the bingo wings going, how do I get rid of my bingo wing? How do we do this? How do we do that? Or one lady once came up to me, because by then I was back into weight training myself as well. I was tiny because all my energy was going on teaching classes and I was doing cardio full time. Yeah. Um, but then I was obviously doing my own weight training at the same time. And people, I remember one lady said, how do I get arms toned like yours? And this was in an aqua aerobics class. Right. And I just made the point of saying, I don't do aqua aerobics. I teach it, it's my job. But I actually lift the weights in the gym. Right. So the tools that we need to apply to get you what you want aren't necessarily the right ones that we're applying now. You're not going to get arms like that in aquarium yeah it's great for moving for a certain demographic yeah. but 
specifically what she was asking for, she wasn't going to get doing aquarius. So, and I did find that there was um, a theme across classes where women would be like, how do I get, how do I turn this? How do I turn that? And if I had a pound for every time I said in the weights room and the general reaction was, oh no, I don't, I can't go in there. The men's room, in there. Yep. And women are so fixated on fucking cardio, aren't they? They're so fixated on cardio. Like, Do you know what? There was one lady who said um, at the end of a pure gym class, I remember it so well. She said, well, I'll never look like you. I've got kids. And her friend who was a regular in my class said, well, Amber's got And she said, yeah, well, I've got two. And then her friend said, well, Amber's got three. And it wasn't, not in a, com- in a competitive way, yeah. just as an yeah. example that it's that you need the, the specific tools for the result you want to get. Yeah. So that was when I thought, you know what, I am going to steer more towards PT and group exercise, just because I was finding whilst I was teaching as well, and you'll probably get this, when you spend more time with one client who either asks or needs more assistance, the rest of the class have either done 8 million reps, you know, or you need more time with certain people. And I find that one-to-one specificity of what yeah. each person needs is much more satisfying and also more useful, more helpful to the individual. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, I found I got more out of it. And also it got to a point where I was traveling so far doing my freelance that the hour travel time, I could have fit another PT client in that hour. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. for me to put all my eggs in one basket or in one place, if you like, it just worked, it made more sense. Yeah. And was it nearly like the the freelance stuff built the clientele for the one to one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now I've still got people who I speak to, members from all the different gyms I've worked at, and across a few counties as well. So here, Manchester's quite in the south of Manchester where I am. There's quite a few counties that meet the borders, so I could you know travel quite easily and pick up it's just networking isn't it you get to know people really and people word of mouth it works um so moving on from there obviously that's so we're talking like we're talking that's maybe what 12 years ago or so now would that be yeah so i think i officially stopped teaching classes when i had my youngest Okay. My last few classes that I still had going, I stopped those, and he's five soon. So yeah, we were okay. good five years so, down the line. Yeah, so it was it, it was probably the case that the, the the group classes were still a bit of a cash cow as well. So you still got the you know you had to kind yeah. of build it, exactly. you know. To, to, and that's I mean obviously newer clients coming from there, but you're talking about having your youngest and um you've five children, and the the first two pregnancies not because you you had obviously twins for your second were in quick succession. And then the second two were in quick succession. And like I I have I only have two, which I, I can't even imagine being outnumbered. Um, but <laughs> I have mine in quick succession. And it's brilliant because at least they can play with one another now and it's fantastic. But for you at the time, like how like how did I suppose the question is really how did you feel about post your postnatal body when you're trying to be this fitness professional and you're trying to be a leader and you're trying to and then I know that you know we should have body confidence and love ourselves and everything but it's very hard when you're 
trying to be something and look in the mirror and you can see kind of your pregnancy belly and I know that's where we got our kids from and everything like that but you, you do you're trying to be a role model and then you're a mum as well how do you juggle everything and yeah that's a great question that is a very much a double-edged sword I yeah. found because I had been in what you'd call quite an athletic body because I was teaching that much many classes and doing that much cardio even after I had three kids but I did definitely have an identity crisis after my fourth because like you said my fourth and fifth were in quick succession and I didn't really do any kind of training in between the the last two babies um but I, I remember going in the gym one of the gyms where I used to work and it was the first time I fully appreciated that self-consciousness of feeling like everybody was looking. I didn't want to go in the gym. I knew I had to to get what, where I wanted to be. But those yeah. first few weeks, I remember training and feeling like I was an alien in my old, own body. And I, <laughs> I wanted to go and tell people that I am a coach and I do know what I'm doing. I'm just wearing this body temporarily. This isn't, I've just had a bit. And I felt like I needed to go and explain myself. Know, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy because no one cares. No one else is looking. They don't give you a second thought. And I knew this. I absolutely know this. And this is what I've been telling other people. But for me to fully, fully experience that. So for context, I had always been, I'm five foot two. I had always been uh, 50 to 55 kilos. So a dress size, what, six to eight when I was teaching classes. So... After my fourth baby, I got up to 80, 79 kilos. Wow. That was yeah. after I'd given birth to him because yeah. he didn't sleep. So all I did was eat to keep the energy. To stay alive. Yeah. 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 So I fully experienced what it was like to be, to have higher body fat. Yeah. Which I hadn't really had before. But you know what? That gave me so much more insight into working with my clients and my demographic. And I'm, when I say it's a double-edged sword, I'm glad I had that experience. And also, it gave me, well, you've seen the pictures. I did not want to take the the picture I took that day. Yeah. But I knew if I didn't, I'd be furious that I didn't have a reference to refer back to. And also, that has propelled my business to helping other people so that when they see it visually, that you can change. Not that we should want to change, but the amount, our demographic, People come to us asking for help. Yeah, It's not out of vanity. It's what do I do with this new body I'm in now? Because you've never had it before. And it's it's bridging the gap with how to work with your new body between the activities you were doing before and where you want to be just to feel more like yourself again. Yeah. Because I think we do have a bit of an identity crisis anyway because your life has changed. So you, you, you have a new identity. You're a parent. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden when you have a baby. But... Also, I think from what I get or what I've heard over the years, and I had this myself as well, you're not prepared for the, the way your body changes because it's all about your parents to have a baby and you have this baby and it's all about the baby. But we don't focus as much on ourselves and how we change and what to expect. For example, I didn't realise my back would be so broad or my ribs would be a lot broader yeah. after the baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. you expect your pelvis to be a little bit wider, but no one mentions the ribs and that kind of um, so yeah, I suppose that served me well and it was a huge learning curve for me because um, I did feel at the time a bit like um, a fraud, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. 
and yeah but i uh, what i think is really interesting as well is the fact that when you had the first two pregnancies because you were building your business and you were running around and you were doing x y and z that was it really frustrating knowing that you your body not that a head bounced back i don't mean that you know because every pregnancy and every recovery is different but knowing how you had been after your first two pregnancies and your body not doing what you thought it might do like precisely and i think i often wonder if that's an age thing as well because i was in my early 20s when i had the first three and i was in my early 30s when i had the the last two babies so there was that element there was also the fact that then obviously by the time you had each time you have another baby there's more people to look after other than on top of yourself yeah so there were a number of factors but i always do try and emphasize that each pre and postnatal phase are completely different yeah as well so for example i felt fine and was active and ate relatively well with my first and last pregnancy but the middle two i felt dreadful and i didn't actually train through them my twins are made out of rich tea biscuits that's it (laughs) that's all i ate i made two people out of them do you know what i mean so it's yeah there's this misconception of you have to eat healthily well you do ideally but whether you can stand to eat that food you know what i mean it's a very different thing in reality when you're running around after the kids as well and that's the thing it's like you know we've had endless kind of conversations about macros and putting the right things into your body to lose weight or build muscle but if you're eating a packet of rich tea biscuits a day you're, you're probably in calorie deficit so you're going, you're going to lose weight you know and that's that's where you know that's where things kind of get misconstrued you know and it's that's where i think with women in their 20s having kids it's like, oh, sure, the weight just fell off. We're probably not focusing on, and I, and that's the thing. So many of us now, later on, we're focused on weight loss and we're focused on this and we're focused on that. When actually, if we just focused on life and eating healthily, yeah, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing either, you know? Exactly. And when we think about how much more energy we're expending when we have children, babies to look after, yeah. I think that the emphasis needs to be flipped for all this is what I'm trying to do anyway. And I know you want, there's quite a few of us out there who are trying to portray this message of we eat to fuel our bodies so that we can look after everybody else as well as healing ourselves rather than going straight to maybe weight loss, which if, if anybody's ever been in a massive calorie deficit anyway, you, you're going to lack energy, yeah. which is fine if you're just doing it for you and you don't have other people to look after. Yeah. And even then it's only sustainable for a short period of time. Because I mean, we we like we worked together last year when you were helping me, and I was, you know, you can lose like that's the thing you can lose kilos in four weeks. You can do it by by being in a severe calorie deficit, but you can't maintain it as you. You know what I mean? That's not and and what really I mean, if anybody will talk about like where to find you later on, but if looking at your the biggest thing was when you were doing your your body sculpting. And I'd be like, oh, my God, how is she eating that amount of calories? Not because of weight gain or anything. I just physically didn't know how the fuck you were getting them into your body. Like, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, it wasn't because, like, you know, oh, my God, she's going to be huge. Who gives it? I just couldn't 
fat them like four and a half thousand calories going into my body a day because I just was like were you not full up to here all the time but no you weren't because you were fueling your body for what you had to do that day yeah the only caveat there is you have to use it do you know what I mean so yes. I'm I'm lucky that I I suppose genetically I do put muscle on quickly which is what I want but I equally will lay down the fat as quickly so if I don't move if I had that and I wasn't training the way I was it would not be muscle I was putting on yeah. I think that drives me forward though as well it makes me want to go and train harder because I know I've got to use that food yeah <laughs> use that food yeah and like even the whole thing about your own I mean that's the thing that some people kind of don't understand is that as a trainer and as a teacher for me asking you for help and then realizing that you have your trainer as well like it's like who try like that's the thing it's like it's not people there's sometimes a, a kind of a misconception in this industry that you should have the drive and the motivation to train yourself well when it's your work like you don't want to have to do your job at the end of the day for you you know the analogy I always make is when you go to the hairdresser and you go and see your hairdresser and she owns, let's say, the salon, she will often have one of the other stylists do her hair, yeah. his or her hair. Yeah. And it's just the same as when we hire a coach. Yeah. yeah. And, How many stylists yeah. cut their own hair? Yeah. And I mean, maybe, like, maybe there's a little bit more determination or a little bit more motivation because we're in that industry and we know, and then maybe it's that analogy again at the hairdresser where she knows, don't put that in my hair or don't put that, you know, there might be a bit more direction there, but they're not essentially getting the scissors and, and doing, doing the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Over the past couple of years, how the business has changed and the community that you've created online and, you know, the accessibility people have to you. Cause I know that well, obviously we're in two different countries, but I know that you have clients in a number of different countries and how that's benefited you as well. Massively, you know, social media has been the biggest drive for my business. Yeah, absolutely. And COVID lockdown last year didn't initially, obviously, in person, we were limited to who we could see, and we had to close completely in person for a period of time. However, it did force me to grow the online element. Yeah. So, and then I've kept that going as well. So my Zooms, I now offer Zoom, particularly for my post pre and postnatal clients, because I feel like. If they were just online um, doing remote coaching, yeah, I like to see what my pre and postnatal clients are doing, how they're moving, because obviously their bodies are changing week yeah. by week as well. So it's not always the same body as last week or the week yeah. before. But it did. I did have the opportunity actually to do more online learning, right? Which yeah. I wouldn't have had time for otherwise. Yeah. Um, last year, so I did. I'm working with Boral Education. She is, Jenny Burrell's really good for pre and postnatal courses. Her courses are super in-depth. And it's not just pre and postnatal. She'll do ins and outs of the menopause. Yeah. Anything women's health related, it's fantastic. So yeah. I often share the links for that as well, which I will do again. But I also, an opportunity came up last year, mid-lockdown, mm. where somebody asked me, I was commissioned to work for an app to build the pre and postnatal element to a well-known fitness app, which oh, I can't name because I signed an NDH. <laughs> but in doing that, actually, it, it was a great exercise for me in doing business yeah. and negotiating yeah. and just generally switching my brain back on in, in that sense as well. Because yeah. I think 
when it's something you know, like coaching, you don't get complacent, but because you know how to do it, it's not as much of a challenge. Whereas this, I was like, oh, this brain needs to get back on. And so I really enjoyed that. And also it kept financially, it kept me going through lockdown, which was really fortunate. That's brilliant. So you, 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 you that's something running now, but your name is not honest. I really enjoyed it. Do you know what? It's something I could get my kids stuck into. And it was just a bit different than coaching. Brilliant. But I think that just shows as well the fact that there are these apps out there. Yeah. It's bridging that gap that needed bridging between having a baby. Yeah. And reworking with your new body. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we've been talking about. Yeah. What What was What was the hardest thing about the last couple of years for you? Um. For me, and I'm. And I think a lot of other coaches who have spoken to have experienced this. It was keeping the morale of the clients up and right. going and keeping their home workouts interesting, particularly for the clients who weren't already online and they were used to seeing me in the gym. Right. Um, so, yeah, keeping the morale high. Because time of lockdown, when it kept being extended, it was hard to program in yeah. what we needed to do because it kept the goalposts kept moving. Yeah. And I think just generally in lockdown, everybody's morale was low anyway. Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword. A lot of people put weight on during lockdown and then reached out for help once we came back out. So for business, that's not a bad thing. Mm. We were busy. However, trying to get existing clients through that was the trickiest part for me. And you'll know yourself when you're not feeling high on energy yeah. and enthusiasm to try and bring other people through that is quite challenging sometimes. And and that's the, that's the thing because obviously then all of your business online or through social media or through and then you're like how do I switch off from this so do you, you know in the sense that you're trying to have a boundary of a client contacting you at 10 o'clock at night and you're like no I'm not replying to that till tomorrow morning but then oh if I reply to that now I don't have to do it tomorrow morning and how do you set any boundaries for you as far as you know switching off from the business or did you find that difficult try yeah it doesn't always happen because yeah. the way I think of it is let's say a client let's say I get an inquiry at 10 o'clock at night and I'm not actually doing anything else at that time yeah I will respond because if somebody's in a buying mindset at that time you've only got a certain window to get them on board before they change their mind yeah. so as much as I'd like to say and as much as I've been around or been on mentoring courses when they've been like have your set days of work have your set hours it doesn't work like that at yeah. all yeah yeah at all and it did cause friction between my ex-partner and myself yeah i think people either get it or they don't yeah like it isn't a nine to five no you have to just accept it for what it is and is there anything that you've done that's made your business life easier in the in the because i know that you use a variety of apps or you know that way you can deliver you can blanket deliver programs and stuff like that is there anything that you'd say to somebody that's kind of thinking about moving online, what what has made life easier for you or any tips that have made life easier for you? Yeah, I do use apps. Now, what I've learned over the last year, and we've um, experimented with this. Yeah. There are, a, there are a variety of apps tailored to your business out there for time management, booking systems. It's just a case of trial and error. Yeah. I'm still yeah. trialing and erroring different apps and I keep yeah. reverting back to the same one, which is free, fortunately. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with that one. But moving, I mean, I did consider hiring someone to help with admin right. for the online side. Um, this was throughout last year. So 
that is a potential area of delegation that I'm looking into, definitely. And there's so many uh, virtual assistants out there now. That, you know, there's, 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 that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I would say you would see a huge difference if you take that, if you take that off your plate. Yeah. Do you know what? As well, I've, I've recently, with the online side taking over a bit more, it has allowed me to tail back, like to cut down on working evenings. Because yeah. I've been working evenings, like I said, for years and years now, and the amount of bedtimes I've missed. Yeah. As, as much as it's nice to have a rest and, and get out of that routine, I would prefer to have more of a family work balance Yeah, than I had. Because, yeah. um, I mean, after my fourth baby, I think I was back in work. My, my clients were asking to come back. And, I, I mean, I was happy to come back. Yeah. But looking back, it was too soon. Four weeks after having him, I was back PTing my clients. Yeah. And in hindsight, that was not the right thing to do anybody's sanity so now we've got online the online side is much easier yeah I mean like today I'm sat in a coffee shop doing my online work for the rest of the day which yeah. fits beautifully and I'm not PT in this evening yeah Brilliant. so it's just ta- it just take I knew it would take time to tweak and tailor the hours to suit better and I knew it wouldn't happen overnight to transition from seeing clients at peak time because it's all, unsociable hours are always going to be peak time in this job yeah yeah but i would say useful things for growing an online business are marketing free marketing social media is the best marketing tool ever yeah people buy people yeah so the more you can put your face out there as a person People will buy into that. I mean, this is how you and I met. Yeah. 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 And that's it. Like, it is. it is, And it's about trust as well. You know, it's trusting the person you're buying the product off or you're buying the service off as well. You know, and that's, and I suppose that's the big thing as well. And we just, we touched on it earlier. It's about having the, the proof that you've done the journey that your client is going to do. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have to have had that journey. You don't have to have had. There is a huge, like a bigger element of trust when you've done that journey. Yeah, exactly. It's having, for want of a better phrase, it's really cheesy and cliche, having walked the walk. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of, um, you can get, the, for example, the pre and postnatal qualification and the piece of paper, having no experience in either being pre or postnatal yourself or... Yeah. Knowing anybody, you know, yeah. Yeah. who is that demographic. So I think it's very different um, having experienced it yourself and just general experience. You can't buy experience, can you? So yeah. No, well, that's it. Like, yeah, it's it's definitely a valuable tool. Yeah. Tell me, um, tell me about your sculpting journey, because I would say a lot of people that are listening to this will not have you know come across the journey of like bodybuilding and everything like that you know so like what what was the motivation to take that on you know I know that we talked about the picture of you know the picture that you didn't want to take in 27 was it 2017 and the, like, if, if you see the progression if you see the progression yeah, it was five there, years ago yeah and like it's just but it's oh it's the 
it's what the result is, but it's the journey as well. Like, you know, it's putting your body. It's not, it's not, um, it's not a, a maintainable thing to do all year round. <laughs> no, not at all. And I think I had the benefit of knowing the ins and outs of exactly what it would take, how long each phase it would, how long each phase would last. And I knew yes. that it would go in different phases. You can't just go from A to Z in that scenario. So I'd wanted to do bodybuilding for years, but not actually got round to pulling my finger out and taking action with it, I suppose. And it was only when I had my last baby, my partner at the time was competing in bodybuilding. And it just occurred to me one day, I was like, how have we both just had a baby? And I'm here looking completely out of sorts. And he was there looking pretty decent Nick for his show. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do this. And obviously we don't get any younger, do we? I thought, I've finished having kids now. That's me up five's enough. So what a better time to start. I may as well crack on with what I'm doing. And it was that day. I was in the back when I made my decision because obviously you look at yourself and you're, you know what it's like when you're, you're not feeling yourself. But I'll do my pictures today. I don't want to do them at all. But if I do them, they're done. And that is the first step. And I knew what I needed to do. So I broke it down into a time frame. Overall was five years. Yeah. I knew I would have to spend at least 12 months doing my postnatal core rehab because I didn't train between having the last two kids. Yes. So I knew usually if you have two babies close together, I would always say double up on the rehab time. Okay. I was like, well, I've got time. So 12 months of rehab because you can't move your body unless you cause functioning. You yeah. can't move the rest of your body unless the core works. Yeah. As no. So I spent a good deal of time doing that and also it had to work with family life I needed yeah. to give myself extra time what if I couldn't train the next day if I'd been up all night with the kids or it wasn't set in stone it just it would take as long as it took but the general time but that's the, uh, that's for me it's 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 the patience that you know that's, yeah. that's where I mean I, I, I people and I'd say like five five years you knew I mean the fact that you knew that this was going to take five years and having the patience because people want it instantaneously and that's the problem yeah and then they start doing crazy stuff like jumping up and down with star jumps and there's nothing wrong with those no no well, there's a time and a place and you yeah. do what's appropriate to do oh actually touching on that I did my first barbell squats this week for the first time since 2014 that was two kids ago yeah so I'd not even I didn't even try running until a year postnatal not that I run but I just thought I'd give it a whirl on the treadmill yeah you know I left as long as possible to do those things because I knew there were alternatives that were more beneficial yeah to be doing in the meantime yeah. so after my 12 months rehab I did then start lifting weights properly not not crazy weight because I was yeah. always dictated by what my core could handle hence why I didn't do barbell squats until last week yeah five years postnatal almost i i did i did barbell squats um for the first time five weeks ago and then i got covid and i haven't done them since. Oh. i i i, I, I mean, we talked about i'm gonna have to bloody start from fucking crap anyway <laughs> but but that's oh, the thing do you know what though it's always there yeah that's it but it's but it's that's such a good lesson though as a coach we're talking seven years later from 2014 and knowing no 
like why would I damage my body and that's why that's why obviously the one-to-one can be better than the black you know that way the blanket it's it, it, like I suppose for me it's seeing all the the coaches that are out there that are making money on apps and making money on different things like more power to them okay more power to them but there's nobody telling the person who's downloading the app that this might not be necessarily the right thing for you exactly so for me for example to build my legs don't get me wrong i still built my legs i just use other tools like a leg press do you know what i mean you, you so, love a leg press yeah there's a time and a place for everything so then I did start lifting weights with a view to growing muscle. And I didn't get my coach until I've been with Mel two years in February. So I think I went as far as I could on my own Yeah. before I got my coach. So I got I hired Mel as my coach just before lockdown hit. Yeah. And then that was when I knew, like, I got some sort of shape going on. But I knew I needed help to like with the food, you know, more specifics because yeah. I was doing it as a, excuse me, as a competitive sport. If I was just, if I wasn't aiming to compete, I probably would have just cracked on on my own. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Mel's been fantastic. So obviously she coached me through yeah. lockdown, through uh, the body sculpting phase, like you said earlier, when I was up to high calories and I was growing muscle in the gym. Yeah. Um, what, what, so yeah, we did what, a whole way, what way were you at the height of that? The height uh, 60 60 kilos 61 yeah yeah oh was definitely not 79 no like it was <laughs> but, um, but it's it's i suppose the message is like that you're 60 kilos consuming four and a half thousand calories a day and we hear from society so much that calorie deficit you know don't eat you know 30 my fitness pal 1300 calories a day this that and the other where like your big message and to me over the past year is like you need to increase your calories if you're yep. working yeah. out, if you're body not bodybuilding, if you're weightlifting. And yep. it's such a it's it's such a conflicting message for the brain because basically we've just been taught eat less. Absolutely. And the tone, how often have you heard the word tone? I just want to tone. That's generally eight out of ten clients when they write their goal into the app want to tone up and lose weight so generally people end up eating more than they're used to yeah. which is the biggest mentally the biggest challenge to get the client to see that that is not a bad thing because you're going to be using the food to grow the muscle yeah uh, but once that clicks yeah it's pretty much plain sailing from there yeah and you know what for me the most job satisfaction is that light bulb moment when the client says Ah, it's working. Like I never thought I could lose weight or get. Sometimes clients don't lose weight; they just drop a dress size. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll get smaller and tighter and more toned, which is what they yeah. wanted. But they might not necessarily lose actual scale weight, but yeah. they're eating more food. Yeah, and and I mean that's the thing. Even with and and I love the way you use visuals as well because like there's so many times I've got four different pictures and I'm the same weight in all four pictures, but it's. The transformation in the pictures is just huge like it's, it's and it's 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 getting over that just don't get on the scales every day like people are getting on the scales two and three times a day every day yeah. if you are trying to build muscle or trying to it's it's like a weekly check-in is fine you know and it's not about i mean i still have i still have people coming to class and they're doing slim and world and they're doing 
Weight Watchers and they're doing, you know, I'm not actually, I'm, when I tell them that three and a half thousand calories is what you need to lose a pound of weight, but you might lose that yeah. and put on a pound of muscle because you're, yeah. you know, and it's just, you know, not even, not knowing the maths of it and not knowing the, you know, that all the, you know, you, how can you tell somebody have as much pasta as you want to eat? I think we still have a lot of work to do collectively to get that message out there still. I mean, we're doing it, but there's still a lot of work to do. And I think there always will be, you know? Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's the thing. Like, people like, oh, belly busting six weeks to Christmas and belly bust. (laughs) Like, no, that's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah. It's a tricky one because I think for so many decades we were told eat less like eat minimal amounts of food and do loads of cardio which yeah you will lose weight but this tone that everybody's chasing doesn't come from cardio and no food you have to build some muscle from somewhere yeah and that's not saying get massive i mean we can't we can't there's only so much muscle women can put on anyway yeah yeah i mean that's the thing and i mean my arms like when i um like when i'm that's that's what what you were saying about your clients, your other clients, and they're like, what well, want these toned arms and everything. It's, it's not about pumping iron every day. It's about setting aside three times a week for yourself. Yep. That's- exactly. I mean, the majority of my training over those five years through the transformation, I was only training three times a week because yeah. I had kids. Yeah. And and a lot of people say, well, it's your job. You're in the gym, and again, using the hairdresser analogy, the hairdressers in the gym in the hair salon twelve hours a day. They're not doing their own hair, are they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's only been in the last year. I've been training years, two years. I've been training five times a week, and that was specifically so I could compete. Before then, three would suffice. Three times a week. Yeah. And it's 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 kind of the whole thing. Oh, you're in. You know, I always get like, oh, you're a Pilates teacher. It's like, but I have to specifically practice my Pilates because I don't do it in class. You know, I I'm I'm looking because at you teacher. Yeah, yeah. They think, oh, you teach four classes a week. Like, you just, no, that's <laughs> you know, like you're yeah, not exactly. doing you're not doing the session with the client side by side with the client. No, you're checking their that's form. Or, yeah, yeah, and you can't physically teach. I mean, you can speak and do to a degree. Yeah. But as we know, Pilates is a lot of breath work with the move. Yeah. There's only so much speaking you can do at the same time. So there's no way you're going to get your own session done yeah. while you're teaching. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell me about the other project in your life, your uh, the podcast. The podcast yeah. was, is the brainchild of my the other half of Wild Proud and Macken, Nadia and myself we again social media what a wonderful thing yeah we met by social media and and I know this is how you and I met we got to know each other via social media first before we met in person yeah and um some people just click don't they like you know yeah. they your people just by yeah just by what you get from them um so our podcast is we just started series two. Yeah. It's basically Nadia and I just waffling about all things corporate, single parent life. We've actually we say single parent life. We have both recently entered new relationships in the last year, but all in all we are still single parents, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's everything that entails 
the family work balance. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've had some really good guests on actually. Um, we do intend on having more guests on in series two. We've had a little bit of a hiatus at the minute just because we've both got loads of stuff going on. But I keep reminding her that all this stuff going on in the background is more podcasts. It's good content. For the future. (laughs) You know, it's content. So, yeah, people, some people find us funny. (laughs) We might be an acquired taste. Is is it a relief for you? Like, is it an outlet to vent that you you don't take it home with you? You know what, though? We really enjoy doing it. It is, yeah. I think, because we're quite creative as well. I never thought that doing broadcasting would be the kind of creativity that I've been to. And it's actually really good fun to make. Yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we'll get that back up and running soon. We only started it last January. So, what are we now? Almost a year in. Yeah. Okay. It will be our podcast birthday in January. I love it. I love it. And Talking about um, podcasting, and is there any uh, anything else in the pipeline for the future for you? Work-wise, I've always wanted, and I will still, this is still on my list of yes. things to do. I've always wanted to become a tutor, an educator. Oh, wow. And, yeah, spread the knowledge. So eventually, I um, eventually I will go into... I'll go down that route. I'll do my qualifications to be an educator and, and carry on just educating people and hopefully one day running my own courses. Yeah. Brilliant. I love that. It's good. Yeah. Listen, amazing to have a goal. And the thing about it is, is that it's not just saying a goal. It's actually knowing you're going to do it. That's the conviction, isn't it? Yeah. That's how I think I'm actually looking at it. I do work like that in all areas. I know what I want and I know it's not immediate in any area whether it's my own body work or family life to be fair and working do just doing the one foot in front of the other until you get there yeah and I think that's what that applies to everything like I said it's just doing ticking the boxes until you get to where you want like I'm quite good at having um, a picture of what I want things to look like again whether that's work or family um and just kind of structuring it. I mean, don't get me wrong, things get in the way. Yeah. All along the way between you setting your intention and actually achieving it at the end. But I mean, it gets done eventually. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's, and I, that's half the battle, is it? And the intention, isn't it? Like it's, you know, once it, once it's there, you're, you're, you're going to focus on it and work towards it. Um, what about um, your, if, if you had, um, I know this sounds, this is kind of, you laugh at this question, but um, you're talking about being an educator and, you know, teaching people. If it's like, say we're in, it's New Year's and you have three habits that you'd like, you know, prospective clients to take up or what, what would be your top three habits? Now, I know it's very generic and it's, you know, clients are specified, but if you had to say to people if there's three things that they could do to make their lives their physical lives better what would they be oh that's a tricky one three habits some of these are quite simple the first is drink your water well i knew you, i knew you, i know you knew i'd say that please I mean, drink water 
please hydrate. That makes everybody's life a lot easier. And it's not your tea and your coffee, people. It's not your tea and your coffee. It's not your cordial. Drink your bloody water. water. (laughs) The amount of times I get that. I have 10 cups of tea a day. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I get it. Some people don't like it. Put juice in it. Do whatever you want as long as you're hydrated. So yeah, that is that is that is a big one. Um, the second is, do what you say you're going to do. Love. A lot of people say they're going to do something or say they want something, but most people, after stating that, don't follow through with it. Like literally, commit. Yeah. Do what you say you're gonna do. Yeah. That's literally all you have to do to get in anywhere, I suppose. Yeah. And the third one is just walk more. Just yeah. move around more. I think yeah. nowadays as well, it's it's helpful because a lot of people have some kind of step counter, either on yeah. the wrist or on the phone. And I find that is more of a, it's a normal thing to do, isn't it? Checking how many steps you've done. It's more the norm nowadays. Um, so just generally moving around. Don't get yeah, in the lift. Definitely, well, take the stairs. Don't get in the lift. Take the stairs. I mean, these are all things that have been said a hundred times, but I'm just reiterating, these are like life-changing things. Just stay hydrated, move around, and do, the biggest one is definitely do what you say you're going to do. Follow it through with conviction. And um, tell me something not a lot of people know about you. Oh, um, not a lot of people know about me. I'm left-handed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we call that. A, a we call that a kitto in, in Ireland. <laughs> a kitog. Oh, I write with my left hand, but I do a lot of my other everything with my right hand. Does that yeah. make me ambidextrous? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. My my daughter is like that. She thought she was left-handed, and now she writes with her right hand, but she does. Oh, ambidextrous. She does everything else with her left hand, though. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that's not a lot of people know that. There you go. There you go. Um, so at Corporate to Cam, we're all about taking the risk to create your own happiness. Like, what would you say to somebody that is just sitting on the fence of going into business for themselves? Or Yeah, I've been there before. Um, many times in many different capacities, life chapters, actually, looking back. And I still will take a risk to create my own happiness yeah I think the more you do it the more you appreciate that jumping into the unknown isn't it's not less scary because it depends on the circumstance each time but I think with that experience you realize that it's not as big a deal because you've done it before in whatever capacity so um I have a client actually recently who's done this at 41 she's left her corporate career to set up her own business and you know what I I seen her for the sorry for the first time the other day in person and she looks visibly different she was glowing she looked wow. years younger and before she said I knew she was you know she had it in the pipeline to do but she didn't confirm that she'd actually taken the leap and I'd said this to her so you look visually you're glowing what have you, what have you got on your skin like what foundation have you used <laughs> but oh no I've done it I've t- I left I left the job and she'd been in that job for 20 odd years it was her career it was her life and she'd taken the leap. And I think as we get older, it becomes more scary because, again, we know we've not got 
loads of time to be doing things and starting again, if you like, mm-hmm. taking those leaps. But honestly, I can't get over how different she looked visually and she was light, like her energy was different. Um, so yeah, absolutely, just take the risk. Yeah. If you're already not happy where you are and you're considering it, then that for me points towards the fact that the risk should be taken. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Not off the top of my head. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Well, before before we finish, um, I always have an either or at the end. So it's a quick fire round for you. Just it's two choices, and you have to just off the top of your head. Okay. Um, what you what you think? Okay. So. We go for it. Uh, first of all, is um, coaching others or training you? Oh, coaching others. Uh, biscoff or Nutella? Nutella. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Cardio or weights? Oh, weights. Classes or one to one? One to one. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Cake or cookies? Cookies. Legs or back? Legs. Sculpt training or pregnancy training? Oh, that's really hard. <laughs> Sculpt. Podcast or coaching? Oh. Can I say both? Yes, you can. Bike <laughs> or stairs? Stairs. Uh, 1,200 calories or four, four and a half thousand calories? <laughs> Do you know what's funny about that? Four thousand, but I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to elaborate because I do like being lean, but equally I like being strong. Yeah. <laughs> if people wanted to get in contact with you, where can they find you? Best way to contact me is via my Instagram because it's got all my links and everything. Coaching carries on there, or generally just having a nosy at a day in the life. Yes. Which I haven't done for a while, but I will do. Yes, it will. Coached by Amber underscore is my Instagram name. Hashtag rebrand. Hashtag rebrand. Hashtag <laughs> rebrand. It was a long time coming, to be fair. It was. And it's a fabulous week. name. It's a fabulous name as well. Um, Amber Moore, thank you so much for being on the Corporate Camp podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Corporate to Camp podcast. Please subscribe, leave a nice review, or simply come back and listen to us next time. I'm Linda Monaghan, motivating you to make that leap from corporate to camp.